What's going on, everybody? This is Justin coming to you live from Seattle, Washington. Uh, quite the week in sports we've had. Hell of a Saturday with the boys. Uh, this week, we got an exciting episode for you all. Sports headlines, as usual. Gonzaga basketball se- segment following that. Uh, we have a fun little um, portion of that segment. We're going to cast the Gonzaga team for their future biopic of when they win the national title this year. Knock on wood. Uh, and then we update you all on our NFL playoff bracket this week. So, uh, boys, I'm with my my host, co-hosts, Jake and Zane. How are we doing? We're doing good. Apparently, Zane is now a, a co-host, not not special guest. But, uh, you know, I think we should talk about it. But I'm doing great up here in Cap Hill. What's going on? Thank you, Jake, for correcting uh, our lovely, ruthless leader here. Special guest Zane here, and boys, I'll tell you what, right now, I'm on the grind, I'm working out, as you all know, Justin Page, bodybuilder, set up his little home gym, I decided to join the routine for the first time today, and I came home, sat in this chair, and haven't gotten up since. <laughs> Zane Zane put up an A-plus effort today, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, we're also joined by our lovely interns, Dan Coop. Zambi and I can't see if he's in there, but likely Baja. There he is, Baja. Um, but I'll hand it right off to, to Dan here for our sports headlines of the week. Thank you very much, Jay Page. All right, fellas, March Madness is official. As we've mentioned before, the whole thing is taking place in Indianapolis or neighboring cities. It's going to be six arenas all together, and now we have a schedule. So. Here's how it's going to go. The first and second rounds will be played Friday, March 19th to Monday, March 22nd. The Sweet 16 will be the following Saturday and Sunday. This is a big change. Elite 8 basketball, normally Saturday, Sunday, now going to be a Monday, Tuesday. Short turnaround for the Final Four, Saturday, April 3rd. And then on Monday, April 5th, Zags-Baylor National Championship. Schedule it now. Here we go. We're ready to roll, boys. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited for this. Like, I'm beginning to just already look at my work schedule to be like, okay, how are we, how are we spacing this out? Because there's this, this act's going to be playing so many days, and I'm just not going to be working during that time. And I hope my company realizes that. Yeah, I was going to ask, am I correct that there's less, um, like, weekday games? Is that? It's different because we get Mondays now. Normally there's no, there's never a game on Monday except for the national championship. Mm-hmm. But the Thursday, Friday thing is different. So yes, we do get less weekday games, I think. Well, that's okay with me. I don't need a weekday game. I love the Monday game. Um, something to brighten your Monday. Uh, I know in our group chat, we were talking about the shortened turnaround from the uh, Elite Eight to the Final Four. What do you guys think of that? Are you does that concern you at all? Not necessarily for Gonzaga, but just like in general for a team. Not, not really. I feel like because they'll they'll be in the same city pretty much, right? Yeah. So I, I feel like that won't be that bad. I think if there's travel in there, that would be a little hard, but um, I think they'd be okay, honestly. And flip side, I think it. I mean, elite eight games are insanely rough, and now you get a break of what two days, or you you get extra break in between your sweet 16 and elite eight or before it was just like two days right no it is it's still the same turnaround from the sweet 16 to the elite eight 
and then it's shorter from the Elite Eight to the Final Four. Oh, is it Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? Or is no. It- so Sweet 16 used to be Thursday, Friday, and then Elite Eight was always Saturday, Sunday. And then the right. Final Four was the following Saturday. But what is it now between Sweet 16 and Elite Eight? Sweet 16 is going to be Saturday, Sunday. Elite Eight is Monday, Tuesday. Oh, that's my bad. Disregard. I kind of like that. It's different. I kind of like it. I think if a team's hot, you know, there's there's usually that week-long break between the Elite Eight and Final Four. Whereas here, you just get a couple days, bounce back, keep that rhythm going, uh, rust over rest, whatever that argument is. You don't have to worry about that. We'll get right back out there, pour it on whatever team we're playing. So I, I don't mind it. I don't think it'll affect us too much. The other thing to note about that Elite Eight Final Four uh, both of those rounds are played in the same arena. They're both going to be in Lucas Oil Field, the big Colts stadium, where they're dividing it up and putting two courts in there. So there's going to be no adjusting to new environment, no travel, nothing like that. So I think it's going to be pretty smooth, actually. Dang. So you're saying we're not going to have like a huge caliber Elite Eight game in like a tiny Indiana high school gym? No. Sweet 16 will be uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse is one of those uh, gyms. And then Um, I think where Sabonis plays with the Pacers is one of the other ones too. But the Elite Eight and the Final Four are only in Lucas Oil. So uh, that'll be an interesting thing to see. When I hear Hinkle Fieldhouse, I think of um, every single gym in the movie Hoosiers. You guys see that? Just tiny little hot box gyms. (laughs) It's where Baylor plays is is Hinkle Fieldhouse. Butler plays. Butler, sorry. Yeah, I was there. like, what? <laughs> that's a long ways to go for home games. Thank you, too. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, a lot to look forward to. You know, like we say, it's, it's, it's official now. We'll see what happens. Pray for the best. Cross your fingers. But March Madness is all the way back. Moving on to the next headline. We're going to stay in the college basketball family. We're going to talk about the AP Top 25 for the first time since 1961 There's no Duke. There's no North Carolina. There's no Kentucky in the AP top 25. Move over, Blue Bloods. What do we think? I mean, I just don't think Duke's being respected enough. I mean, they beat Notre Dame. Like, does that count for nothing? Uh, Excuse me. Just because they lost to Virginia Tech and Illinois and Michigan State and have no, you know, quad A wins, they should be punished? I mean, that's not fair. Yeah, I think I can speak for um, 99% of the world when I can say that it's great to not see either of these three teams up there. Uh, you can see how, how rare it is. I mean, freaking 61. It's been, you know, just about 60, exactly 60 years since it's happened. Um, the only thing that kind of concerns me, not a huge deal, doesn't really, I, it won't bother me at all, but I could see people pulling the little BS argument after this season's over is that the only reason a team like Gonzaga or any, if anyone else is able to win the whole thing, oh, the only reason you didn't win is because none of the Blue Bloods were good that year. You just got lucky that none of the Blue Bloods came to play. That, obviously, I think that's hogwash, but I could just, I would get annoyed by someone presenting that argument, and I know it's going to be presented. Yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's great for college basketball, seeing some new, uh, some new faces up at the top of the rankings and in the top 25. I love it. All right. Last headline of the day. Kind of some breaking news that kind of, that came up today. Tiger Woods 
going to take another leave of absence for his fifth back surgery. Boys, is this the end of Tiger? Um, I think it should be, but I'm, I started the, the Tiger documentary that Zane recommended. And after the first episode, I think he's going to come back and win the Masters. You know, I'm, it's a really good, good miniseries there. Yeah, well, I'm glad I'm glad you're getting the uh, the preview from Jake's point of view, just because, you know, that first episode definitely serves to build him up. And the second episode definitely tears him down. I won't go too much into it, but um, I think it's the end for Tiger. Um, however, you know, you'd be stupid to bet against Tiger, but just with his age, his ba- my back hurts after I golf and I'm only 26 years old. So I can't imagine how he does it. I do think the dream of Tiger getting to 19, which is what the record is for major championships. Uh, Tiger's currently at 15. Is it Nicholas has 19? Is that who he's chasing? Or is it like Palmer, one of those guys? It's it's Nicholas, and then there's also he's chasing Sam Sneed for something. I forget what mm. that is. Is it like 100 total wins? Is that another one? Total just tournament wins? Regardless, I, he, there's no way he's getting to 19 majors now. He's, he would have to win four more. To, to, it was a miracle that he won the freaking Masters in uh, 2019. And so to expect anything more from Tiger after all he's given the world of golf, I think would be silly, but it would also be silly to bet against him. Great series. Check it out. Tiger, HBO, crazy stuff. So real quick, I just did that research. I am back into my role here. Jack Nicholas has won 18 majors. Tiger's at 15. He just tied Sam Snead for the most PGA Tour wins of all time back in 2019. Allegedly. Well done. Good job, Dan. Thank you. Awesome. Well, those were our sports headlines for this week. I don't have much to add there. Um, Never bet against Tiger. We'll see. We'll see. Now I'm going to hand it off to uh, Dickie V to bring us into our next Gonzaga segment. I have loved Gonzaga from the first time I saw him. I mean, just too much depth, too much size, too much experience, and a winner's mentality. Numbers for the Zags. Lob and the finish for Kispert. Kispert. He's got over 1,000 points in his career. Look at Drew Timmy! Oh, Timmy, man! My guy, Timmy! Timmy spins left and does it again! Timmy, again! Timmy, what are we seeing here? Kevin the Gandhi! There's Suggs, who's such a terrific, creative passer. Yay, finishes! Are you kidding? This that's why the comparison, by the way, to Matt Jones. And there it is, Ayayi with the assist, and he is the first Gonzaga Bulldog in school history with the triple-double. The Zags march on. All righty, well, thanks for that. Uh, we're going to keep this thing moving. Zags, they had some interesting games last week, to say the least. First, we're going to discuss Pepperdine a little bit, uh, then go into that... Uh, very interesting St. Mary's matchup. Uh, guys, any thoughts on the uh, Pepperdine game? Oh, boy. I mean, I think Arden tried to warn us 
you know, he was talking about Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards, but I think our biggest, biggest opponents were ourselves. We started out just so slow. And I think everyone, it was so, it was so interesting watching these two games where we win by large amounts in both, but I don't think any Zag fan walked away feeling like happy or like content. Yeah, I agree with you, Jake. Um, it was weird, weird sort of week. Um, we still like, if you look at the the score at the end of the game, you, you should be happy. Um, but like you just said, I mean, the first half lulls were, were for real this week, uh, especially with St. Mary's. I mean, Pepperdine, it just felt weird because they were able to score so many points with us, but we actually still put up 43 in the first half against Pepperdine. If that's your bad half, I mean, that's a good sign for your team overall. Uh, St. Mary's is obviously very different in that we only put up, you know, 32, uh, granted we held them to 25, but that was a very ugly first half as well. Um, switching it to a little positive though, it is phenomenal that our second, like our first two minutes out of the half are just awesome. Like our first three offensive possessions always seems sound. We always get either like a Kispert three and a Yai back cut or like a Suggs drive and, and easy, you know, make it the hoop. And so I, I love our ability to make adjustments um, at half, but yeah, first half. I mean, I don't think any, any Zag fan feels good about those first halves. Uh, they're, they're interesting because they were kind of similar games, but I think Pepperdine turned positive quicker um, than St. Mary's for sure. Um, do you guys have any final te- takeaway? I think we'll probably spend most of our time on St. Mary's because that one, that one hurt for multiple reasons, but, uh, any, any final thoughts on Pepperdine? I got two things on Pepperdine. One was my prediction that Colby Ross was going to have under 15 points. We held that dude to nine. So we did a great job uh, containing him. And then when we think back to that second half, kind of when that spark happened, you got to go back to that Jalen Suggs diving to save the loose ball, dives into the stands, ends up in a Kispert and one. Ends up in a Kispert and one on the other end. And uh, that, to me, like, just summed up this team. Like, we can, we can have a slow start, but then when we turn it on, whether it's energy, hustle, talent, whatever, that whole thing was on display right there. And that's, that, that play right there is why we're the best team in the country. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And it's it just crazy, like, looking back how how spoiled we are this year of talent because, I mean, what are, like, freshman, sophomore years? There's multiple WCC games, like, each year where either you lost, like, three or four, like, usually not more than three, but then there are several where it's, like, you only won by four or, like, a, a clutch play at the end. Like, neither of these games were close to that, but it felt like we're just – it, it feels like Gonzaga fans are always very researched and always know like where our team should be playing at. So we'll forgive like losses when it's against good teams. But if we, if we play down, we're, we're, we're not critical, but we're pretty, you know, disappointed. Yeah. And, and along those lines, you know, while, while our performance in the first half is, it was bad in those two games this week, we should really be thanking Pepperdine and St. Mary's for, you know, going out there and, you know, really giving it to us because we need these sort of competitive games. 
Um, th- this conference is really bad. Uh, it's at best a two bid conference after us. And so we, we're going to need teams like Pepperdine St. Mary's to step up against us in order to give us uh, a challenge and to, you know, sort of push us to, to continue getting better rather than getting complacent. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, we're not trying to win the WCC this year. We're not trying to get to the final four. We're trying to win the whole freaking thing. And so we're going to need these games, uh, especially if scheduling other outside conference opponents uh, isn't going to happen, which, you know, as the, as the year goes on, it gets more and more unlikely. So it's good to see that the WCC is stepping up to compete with Gonzaga, even if it is for the first half of the game. Yeah, I like that. I think we should make that a little cut. What Zane just said, you know, we're not we're not trying to win the WCC, go to the whatever Final Four. We're trying to win the whole freaking thing. I love that, but um, yeah, I think you know that's what uh, that's all we can really ask for. As as much as it kind of stings and to watch these growing pains, you know, we got to see you know Jalen and and some of these other guys work through it right now because you never know. We could line we could get a bad matchup in the Sweet Sixteen and and they come out whoever that is punch us right in the mouth just like just like these teams did but they'll have something to fall back on to remember hey we worked through this let's do it again um but let's move on to st mary's i want to get your guys thoughts on the there's a little bit of a turnover bug turnover juju going on uh we just didn't look as clean as we usually do i know the person that i watch or one of my draftees from the other week was suggs and you know for every highlight play every two highlight plays he makes it seems that he bounces a ball off his leg or something along those lines. And it's definitely those growing pains, but I want to get your guys' thoughts on the whole kind of turnover issue right now. Uh, I think we're kind of in the, the danger of we're, we're trying to do too much, I guess, which is weird because this team can do so much offensively. Like there's really no like play or style that's off limits which is good for Suggs because, you know, he, he's definitely tried trying to reach his potential, but sometimes he just, it feels like he's trying to do that, the like sports center top 10 play. Whereas like, I think Nemhar does a much better job of, Oh, I'm doing the most, you know, available play within our offense at the time. So then it, it just, it just feels like it just mucks up our gears offensively. And it just takes us a while to shake it off. Yeah, I really like what you said about um, some. Sometimes it seems like our offense is trying to do too much. I think Billis and Farnham both commented on that, um, particularly in the first half of the game. Um, but yeah, this week or this past week, Pepperdine eighteen turnovers, St. Mary's eleven turnovers, uh, twenty nine turnovers for the week. Those numbers are not going to win you a championship. Um, especially against, you know, yeah, sure. Pepperdine is a pesky little team. Uh, St. Mary's might be pesky as well, but we can't be making these mistakes against a team like Baylor. Um, Even if we play Iowa again, like that would be a different game. If we had 29, if we had, you know, 18 turnovers. Um, That being said, I think, you know, our, our conversation last week about um, aggressive Suggs versus passive Suggs. I think that kind of, you know, came to fruition a little bit this this past week it seemed like first half Suggs was definitely more aggressive keen on getting to the basket um and and making you know a couple of 
you know, not great passes. Whereas the second half, he came out with more of a facilitator's attitude. Um, not, not that, you know, I don't want Suggs to be aggressive. I do. I just would like to, you know, don't force the issue when you don't have to. Um, he's still our guy. He's still the best freshman we've ever had. Um, and so he's, he's going to bounce back. I'm confident he's going to bounce back. Um, he's still putting up the points. You know, we're harping on his turnovers, but I mean, the dude is still putting up a ton of points and, and he gets it done when, you know, we need him to turn around in the second half. So those are all good signs. Um, something to keep an eye on though. You know, the turnover bug, it doesn't go away easy. For sure. Yeah. I think that's just something to, to watch. Cause I, I feel like one game, one of these days, it might even be if we miraculously get a higher conference game on the board before the tourney, but it's just going to click for this guy. And, and we've seen what it happens when it does. Right. I mean, he's lights out. So it's just more about putting a consistent effort there, I think. And, and I'll, I'll pass it off to Coop. He's got something to add here. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, and I want to get your guys' thoughts, but I feel like ever since the Iowa game where he was – when Suggs was, what, 7 of 10, I think, from three, I feel like his shooting has seen a slight dip. Have you guys noticed that, or am I just being overcritical of his shooting? I've noticed it, but I would also say I don't think you could expect the guy to shoot as well as he did in that Iowa game every single game this year. He made – was he like – seven for 10. Oh, I mean, he shot, you know, lights out, but I mean, yeah. I feel like it's gone down, you know, somewhat dramatically. I feel like he'll knock down an open one every, every now and then, but he'll also brick, you know, three or four when maybe he should be assisting or, you know, dumping it off. I don't, I feel like, um, I think it might be a combination of that. And then also after the Virginia game, which was right after the Iowa game where, uh, Corey just like went off, you know, that was his nine three point game. It, it definitely felt like, I don't know. It, it felt to me like Corey put to bed, like if there's a last shot, like I have the ball, like I'm getting to the rim, you know, unless like obviously the offense, you know, maybe there's a set play, but the ball's trying to get to Corey. It's not trying to get to Suggs and, you know, Suggs does so many great things, you know, passing defensively rebounding that it doesn't matter too much. But I feel like in the earlier games, like there was still a debate of who our go-to scorer was. And I feel like Kispert settled that in Virginia or in Texas, I guess, in front of Coop. Coop, to your point about Suggs, though, I mean, you're totally right. I was just looking at his last couple games. The dude is four of his last 23 from three since that Iowa game. So you do have a point there. He uh, has – certainly fallen off a little bit. Um, and, and if you, if you hear what, you know, these uh, NBA draft analysts are saying on these broadcasts, they're saying his weakness is his shot. That's where he needs to improve. And the only way to improve your shot is to keep shooting. So I think that, you know, he's, he's going to be able to, to, to develop that consistency, but right now he's a freshman going through a lull from beyond the arc. So, and, and like we've always talked about, we don't need Jalen to, to, to be good from beyond the arc to win games, but if he can obviously, you know, add that to his repertoire, then I don't know what you do with us other than just pray, but. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about the three right now because it's actually not just Jalen Suggs who is struggling with the three. All right. If you watch a Gonzaga game, you kind of feel like we hit enough threes to where you're satisfied, but really it's just Corey Kispert hitting an absurd amount of threes every single game Uh, in Pepperdine. Only three guys 
hit threes for our, our entire team. We were nine of 23. Corey Kisper had six of those. Uh, Ayai got two and Suggs got one. Uh, the bench made no threes. Not a single player on the bench came in to make a three. In St. Mary's, we only had two players knock down a three. Corey knocked down uh, three threes and Aaron Cook knocked down one. Not a single other player on the team made a three. And we actually only shot 11 threes. So I, the, I, I think the three ball is a little bit of an area of concern right now. It just hasn't been exposed because Corey Kispert is playing out of his goddamn mind this year. Yeah, I, it's interesting because I think part of the reason for our struggles, or you call them struggles, we'll call them lulls, I think guys are settling for shots a little bit in our offense. You know, I'm not saying I, like, disapprove of Suggs taking a little bit of, like, a step back three. You know, it's his game. It's his swag. It's what he brings to the table. But at the same time, can we swing the ball around and find a better shot? Can we get into another screen and roll? and get a better shot. Um, I think that's one of the things that makes this offense so dangerous is it's like a read option offense again. So I don't know. I, I think like I love it when big, when these guys bring the intensity and want to, you know, shoot these, you know, tougher shots sometimes. But at the same time, you got to get back to your bread and butter. You got to get back to what works for you and what makes us so dangerous. And I feel like once you get into the flow of this offense, you'll get open looks. And then those are the ones you knock down. Those are, that's when like guys like Ryan Woolridge, uh, even Perkins, you know, really thrive when they get those open looks and just knock them down because like those are easier to hit than, you know, taking a little bit of a step back off of a screen and roll and, and hitting that shot. But I have a, a, a quandary for you guys, a question that, that Zane's three point conversation made me think of. So Right now, Ayai, I believe, is our second leading three-point shooter by percentage. He's up to 37% on the year. Um, but do we want him to take more threes? Because he's also our best rebounder. So I feel like I would almost rather have, like, Nemhard shoot it, who's like a 31%, 32% shooter, just because the probability that Ayai gets that offensive board is like way higher than Nemhard fighting for it. Am I crazy here? Or is, is this like. I think it's whoever gets the best luck, honestly. Yeah. Uh, you're not, if, if you're open, you're going to take the three. Our guys are taking the three. I think we, we just got to make the threes more often, you know, than we are right now. Um, we saw Nemhard, you know, he, he was kind of getting into a groove before this past week. That kind of fell off. The other thing you got to remember, Jake, is on, on a three-pointer, uh, you're going to get a longer rebound. And so Ayai is able to get a lot of those long rebounds because he's already, you know, on the three-point line or rushing towards the basket. He's not, he's not under the basket with Timmy a lot of those times. So I, I think even if he's taking the three, follow your shot, you get the long rebound. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where some of his, you know, current offensive rebounds even come from now. That's fair. And then also I feel like a Yai is like, I have way more confidence in a Yai shooting a three towards the end of the game, like in closer situations than at the beginning. I feel like he has that closing <laughs> mentality. Oh, total clutch gene, total clutch gene with a Yai. Sorry, mute, we're, mute button got stuck there. We'll edit that out. Um, I think we got to talk about something, boys. 
something catastrophic happened Saturday. There was less than a minute left. We were up by 16, which for those of you not aware, we were covering. We gave up a bucket. That was fine. Whatever. Then our good friend Mark Few decided to bring in the bench mob. A little bummed about it, but we were like, hey, you know, we'll be positive. We'll, we'll find a bucket somewhere. They drop a phenomenal play. Get Cook on a little screen and roll with Balo. Cook lays up a nice, perfect little alley-oop. And Balo, my friend, just got a little too excited and missed the dunk. And therefore did not allow us to cover. Sending Zag Nation. I assume a lot of us were watching at that point that intently. We're hoping to cover the spread um, into tears, metaphorical tears. I know we were all who all of us that were watching were a little bit disappointed at that. Guys, what do we think? Are we ever going to cover again? Well, I think, you know, if, if this episode so far has seemed a little bit, you know, negative, kind of like we're whining about, you know, our, we're spoiled, our number one team, you know, isn't doing this, isn't doing that. Well, this is why, God damn it, us degenerates on this show, we're one for five in our last five games covering the spread and one for five at hitting the over. That's not Gonzaga basketball, baby. Catholics cover and Gonzaga always hits the over. It's just not happening right now. Um, and we've had some bad, bad, bad beats lately. Um, we, you know, we talked about the Ballo alley-oop. Wasn't there a bad beat we had in the Pepperdine game as well? Didn't something happen at the end where it was pretty close? Uh, I, I can't remember if it was the Pepperdine or St. Mary's, but the over was very close to hitting. I think it was, I think it was Pepperdine. And then the over was off by like four for St. Mary's. I mean, both of those games, we missed the spread by like a combined like one and a half point, I think, right? Yeah. It's just bad beats. It's yeah, just it's horrible, brutal. horrible beats. <laughs> to bring but, in the subs for the last 15 seconds of the game is maddening. But you, before you know, Ballo's alley-oop blunder, like St. Mary's hit this desperation three at the other end oh, and put them into covering. So they make the ridiculous play. We miss the routine one, and then we all lose. I mean, but, you know, as soon as we don't bet the over or the spread, they're going to hit it. They're going to hit it so hard. They're going to win by, like, 45 and put up, like, 112 points, and it's just going to be heartbreaking. I mean, mathematically, you know, like I just said, we're one for five on both the spread and the over. Next week, Pacific is basically a lock for both, right? Right. We're, hey, we're, <laughs> we're due for a hot streak. We're due for a big one. Um, that was pretty tough though, but we're going to dive into some of our players we're covering. Um, we'll start with that first little pick and roll I mentioned. We'll start with the, the better side of the two, Aaron Cook. His representative on this podcast is Cooper Hewn. Coop, what, what happened with Cook's performance, uh, Saturday? Yeah. I mean, you look at that first half of the St. Mary's game, particularly the first 10 minutes, Really weren't doing a whole lot with the ball. I think we scored less than 10 points within the first five minutes. And, yeah, our guards just weren't getting it done. But, nonetheless, enter Aaron Cook. And the guy, you know, kind of lit it up. I think he hit maybe the second three of the game for us behind Kispert. And then had a couple big assists. And then really got us on what I believe was like a 20-3 to run um, 
something like that. But yeah, just a huge spark plug for us. And you love to see that, you know, we, we really haven't talked about him much this year, but he had brought it that game and really helped us, you know, you know, finish that first half. And then obviously, you know, close things out in the second. Yeah. I don't think there's any question, you know, in that, in the early stages of the St. Mary game, St. Mary's game, it felt uncomfortable. Our players looked uncomfortable, particularly our younger guys. Um, and it just wasn't happening. Like the, like we just weren't making our threes. We weren't making wide open shots. We were turning the ball over, uh, insert veteran presence, Aaron cook to just stable everything out. Um, it was beautiful. This is why he came to Gonzaga. Uh, I know I haven't been giving him the love that he deserves on the show. He, you know, as these players tend to do, he proved me wrong. Um, and he, he was my MVP this game. His, his stats won't jump off the page, but his ability to sort of level us out after a chaotic start. And I think we were down, were we down double digits? Maybe we were down 10, we were down 10. And then we just go on a crazy run to end that half end up, you know, I think we were up 10 at half, maybe, um, not quite up nine, but yeah, I think, you know, Aaron cook was really able to get, to get the ball rolling for us. Um, would we have figured it out without him? Probably eventually, but you know, he was the guy tonight. Uh, and so props to you, Aaron cook. Good for Aaron. Yeah, that was a, that was a big performance, but because obviously for everything you guys mentioned, but he resurfaced on the Bulldog Award uh, list this year. As you all know, I award one Bulldog for every Gonzaga Bulldog team, the toughest player on the team. That was a gritty performance. Um, one of the less grittier performances, though, was uh, held by a fan favorite, Omar Balo. Um, he definitely went back into the kitchen as ingredients, and I'm going to hand it off to Dan to explain why. Well, there just wasn't much to Balo this week. Uh, seven minutes combined, no points, three rebounds, and truly just an absolute disaster by not converting on that alley oop. So I think he, uh, we've we've said we've seen some you know steady improvement from him. Um, I didn't really see anything too positive out of the last two games. Uh, nothing drastically negative. He didn't really get a lot of run. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, he can. Since, since we're only playing one game this week, maybe he can, you know, get some extended minutes and uh, do something good against Pacific. But as of now, uh, Balo, I'd give him a C this week. I have a theory. I have a theory about Omar Balo, and it is, it's kind of a visual exercise. So try, try picturing my hands wide open right now, fingertips just straight up. That is how Omar Balo plays the entire game he can't quite bend his fingers to actually grip the ball ever and so he's just trying to clap it together with just wide open palms and it, it just spells disaster so many times for us um but but he does he we love him still and he's he's gonna get there uh there there just wasn't like he just didn't get time this week to show us much um and for you know a guy coming off the bench it's not easy to just come in cold especially when you're that size and, you know, produce right away. And so I, I don't fully blame him. We've talked about how he's still so young. It would be nice to see him do more. Uh, and, you know, as particularly last week, it would have been nice to see him, you know, kind of come in against St. Mary's 
and you know stable us out a little bit. That obviously was not the case. Um, this was an off week for him. I fully expect him to come back stronger next week, just like the rest of the team. I don't. I, I think the coaches are gonna you know be digging into these guys a little bit over the weekend. Um, they have a long time to think about that St. Mary's game uh, in, in the first half. And so, I, boy, oh, boy, if you're Pacific, you're in trouble. The thing with Ballo, too, well, like we talked about, is, uh, you know, like we need him for when, when Timmy's slow or when Timmy's in foul trouble. But luckily, Timmy was one of the best players on, on the floor this week, as, as Jake will uh, get into here. Yeah, thank you, Stan. Um, I mean – I feel like Timmy was almost a microcosm of this team this week where both first half performances for him, like, especially against Pepperdine, it was just like, woof, what are you doing? These guys don't even really have like a true big man. Like we should be dominating the paint. And it was the Pepperdine game was giving me West Virginia flashbacks in the first half where Timmy just didn't look comfortable. He didn't have his swagger, just not playing within himself. Um, and, yeah, um, I just want to, I just want to go ahead and uh, say that Timmy was my guy. Uh, so I'll take it over from here, Jake. Um, read the chat. I'm just seeing this now, but yeah, no, uh, Timmy, like always consistent, both games, uh, he had 20 in Pepperdine and then I think I tacked on another 14 in the St. Mary's game. So you'd love to see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, and this kind of goes back to our three point shooting. I think we would like to see Timmy ex- extend the floor a little bit more, you know, either knocking down maybe some elbow jump shots or even shoot one or two more threes a game, I think would really help us out. So, but nonetheless had two big games and I think it'll continue. Those N ones against Pepperdine were nice. The, the back to back. Yeah. Does anyone, has anyone noticed that Drew Timmy shoots like a hundred percent when he does that little, like, disguised reverse alley or reverse layup like he almost shoots a better percentage with the reverse layup than he does with like the little baby hooks i love oh, that yeah. shot he loves that circus shot you gotta get the spin move to the reverse man it, it blocks off the uh, defender with the rim um no it was great to see timmy dominate i mean he was due for a big performance and uh it just feels like good old classic gonzaga basketball when a big dominates you know so that was fun to see, but we have another big we need to discuss. I'm going to hand it off to special guest Zane to dive into Mr. Watson's performance this week. Yep, it's uh, special guest Zane. Special take on Anton Watson this week. Is it sweet? Is it sour? Is it hot? Is it cold? I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. It's actually both. You love him and you hate him. You love him against Pepperdine. The dude did exactly what we want him to do. Three for three shooting from the floor, six points, 10 rebounds, baby. That's the number I love to see. Uh, he also added two steals, didn't get into foul trouble when a lot of guys did get into foul trouble, especially with uh, with the refs in that game, uh, particularly in the second half. I don't know if you guys recall uh, Beak ref, but you know they were just dishing out fouls left and right. So Anton Watson, great job in Pepperdine. You did your job. You came out, you performed. Uh, I tip my cap to you, but as I tip my cap, I very quickly put it back on my head because uh, it was the complete one, uh, 360 or 180 against uh, St. Mary's. I, absolutely zero presence on the court that day. If you look at his stat line, 
Uh, zero points uh, because he took not a single shot in that game. Uh, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero blocks. All he did, two steals, which is great, but one turnover. That's it. There was just nothing nothing there against St. Mary's, um, which is weird because we still held him to like no points in that game. And so our defense, I don't know if St. Mary's is just a horrible, horrible offense uh, or if we just had other guys step up. Obviously, we had to have other guys step up. But yeah, Watson did a little Jacqueline Hyde, I think, this uh, this week. And so, you know, so the story goes. Indeed, it will. I think, you know, with some of these guys in, in Watson, Watson definitely files under this profile. But um you know, I feel like they it, it's just so hard to like find your role and like excel in it because there's like obviously like the three bona fide stars on this team. And then you just kind of have to like <clears throat> figure out how to supplement them the best and how to really contribute to the team. And I think with a guy like Watson, you know, for being out as long as he was, it's just gotta be hard. So you know, it's good to see him put in some positive performances like you, uh, like you touched on, but I think that negative performance, I mean, it stinks. It, you, you want this kid to succeed. So, um, you know, it's kind of a bummer, but I think that's about all we have for the games this week. Jay Page, I got uh, one, one, one more thing on St. Mary's. I think you had a great tweet just about how much we freaking hate that program. They played the most disgusting brand of basketball. They, we couldn't cover against them. Like I, I am more of a hate St. Mary's guy than a hate BYU guy this year, without a doubt. Mm. I don't know. Oh, what I'm, you guys a, I'm actually a huge Mark Pope fan. Yeah, I cannot stand Randy Bennett. I hate that guy. But more than anything, <laughs> just the way they their pace is just maddening, and it's disgusting basketball. And it was, like, contagious to us this week, and I hate it, and I yeah. don't want to see it again. Randy I mean, Bennett looks like the evil guy who would foreclose your house, you know, like who works <laughs> for a bank. Doctor foreclosure, but no, he. Uh, I think, I think we had so many fresh new guys facing the St. Mary's team. Not a lot of experience against St. Mary's specifically. I think that's what killed the spread. It killed the over, <laughs> as we dissect it from our degenerate point of view. But um, yeah, that was that was tough to watch. Fuck that brand of basketball. It's so fucking boring. It's just like, come on, like. Go man up, go do something. Try to score some points. Don't just hold it at the top of the key. It was fucking stupid. But um, I'm gonna hand it off to Zane to take this next portion of the Gonzaga basketball segment. Oh, well, God. ladies and gentlemen, we're here. We're excited. This week we are going to cast the inevitable uh full-length feature production of the Gonzaga 2020-2021 basketball movie. Uh, in doing so, so we're, what we're going to do is going to go through, uh, obviously, Coach Few and then the starting five uh, and just, you know, see who who would play some of these guys, who would play Kisper, who would play Suggs. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see if we come to a consensus at the end of it. And so I think me personally, I would like to start off with who I think is the most obvious selection for Mark Few. You've been told it many, many a time, ladies and gentlemen, to play Mark Few. One, Kevin Bacon would be my nomination. Uh, perhaps doesn't have the vocal ability, maybe not the mannerisms, but the looks are undeniable. Oh, man, I, I wasn't even thinking about this, but with the side-to-side picture, that is a great, great decision. 
Jake, did you did anyone else have any anyone else for for Mark View? This one felt oh yes, yeah. I, I I got one um, who I think it, it might be a reach. It might be similar because he he's uh, usually a comedic actor, but uh, he has a physique and kind of slight build, same as Mark View. Um, I'm gonna throw in Ben Stiller's name. Oh, huh. you know, like. He'll okay, be able but... to provide some levity in the movie, but I think he can give a really good, like, serious, you know, the the sports movie speech at the end. I don't hate it. I don't hate that. I personally was thinking Ethan Hawke. Do you guys know who that is? Oh, yeah, from, from what, Gattaca and stuff? Hawk. Yeah, and then he's in, I think it's called, like, Boyhood or something. It's going to be on Netflix. But yeah, oh. kind of similar like facial features, I'd say, and kind of like that soft-spoken, you know, scrawny-looking fella like Mark Few. But Ethan Hawke was that, in the first Purge, right? Yes, yes, he was. <laughs> but I think Kevin Bacon is is our guy here. Uh, did anyone have any thoughts for Tommy Lloyd? Because I, I had a couple. Oh, um, oh, yeah, as a pair, I think you throw in a John Cusack. For, for Tommy Lloyd. John Cusack. How do you spell that last name? K-U-S-A-C-K. He's like, he was more of like an 80s star when he was younger, but he's kind of got the heavier face. You know what I mean? No mm-hmm. offense, Tommy. And, uh, you know, they're just bigger, thicker, thicker guys, but, you know, provides the comedic, you know, relief. <laughs> I got uh, one for Tommy Lloyd. Let's hear it, Dan. This Whoa. is a shock. This is this is from you know off the bench late in the Dan, fourth this, quarter. Dan's not Mr. Pop Culture, so this is this is wild. Well, Dan Pelt doesn't count, Dan. <laughs> if we just think about like Tommy and Mark's relationship, like Tommy's more the bad cop, the more loud, the more boisterous one. How about a little Mark Wahlberg, Tommy Lloyd? <laughs> That, that's all you need to know about Dan's oh, yeah. knowledge of what, pop what are we making, a Transformers movie, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, Tommy Lloyd. Give me, mean, it, I, sell me on this, Dan. Give me, you have like 30 seconds to like sell me on Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I, I came up with it about two seconds ago. I, I've, I have nothing to sell on. I was just, I was just thinking about actors, and uh, I settled on Tommy Lloyd as, as um, Mark Wahlberg. So there we go. Who do you have for Tommy Lloyd Coop? <laughs> no, I was kind of I was thinking along the same wavelength of Jake, uh, a little comic relief. I'm going Seth Rogen. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> not, not from like you guys are you guys are thinking from like a look standpoint. No, I'm thinking if you saw the Steve Jobs movie, I thought Seth Rogen played that role really well, and I think he would do the same for Tommy Lloyd. So lock it in. All right, I got another one. If we're going comedy, you ready? I'm gonna go. <laughs> David Cockner. Do you guys know who that is? From Friends? Is that no. You're thinking David Schwimmer. Yep, yep. Oh, boy. oh my god, Champ Kind? <laughs> Wait, what's his name? David Cockner. How do you spell that? Uh David is spelled D-A. Oh, I know how to spell it. <laughs> Cockner <laughs> spelled K-O-E-C-H-N-E-R. Okay, I almost looked up something very different with the spelling. <laughs> oh, oh, God. That's pretty good for Tommy. But I don't know why, 
why we think Tommy's like a like a comedian. Tommy's a hard nosed, get in your face kind of guy. Yeah, that's yeah. why you get John Cusack who who can bring that dramatic chops to the role. Or Mark Wahlberg, Lone Survivor vibes. <laughs> well, I think maybe maybe we should take to Twitter to see who 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 plays Tommy. <laughs> John Cusack and Mark Wahlberg, they're up for the same role. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it sounds like we've got a hung jury on the role of Tommy Lloyd. So we'll we'll go ahead and move along to uh, our first player. Obviously, we have our Golden Knight, uh, Corey Kispert. I actually have three recommendations for this guy here. Uh, let me pull them up for you guys. The first is uh, Gray Damon. He was in Friday Night Lights. He played for the the new the second team in 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 the city of Dillon. Um, He's also in Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, if you didn't know that. What team was Next. he on, on at uh, East Dillon? Like, what role did he play at uh, East Dillon? He was, the, he was the dude who was, like, kind of edgy. He wore the beanie all the time. He came Oh, in that guy. The basketball I, player. The basketball player. I just watched <laughs> that episode. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that guy entirely. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, Heath Ledger, if he were still alive, I feel like could nail that role. That might just be a hair thing. But also, you know, he's got the dream boy kind of thing going for him. He's got the hair for it. Yeah. And then uh, Cody Christian. Uh, Paige, this one's for you. The, oh. the wide receiver from All-American. I don't hate that. He's a little I short. Think, but Yeah, I would. that's my only concern with the third pick as well. I feel like that guy's only like 5'6", five, 5'7". Six, five, we can make him look taller in movies. I mean, yeah, let, let me break it to you. Not everyone, in, star, so. not everyone in Hollywood is uh, six seven, so we're gonna have slim pickings <laughs> if that's our. Could we at least get a five ten, five eleven? You know. <laughs> Dane, I feel like you completely missed the mark on this one. I feel like this one's Ooh. pretty obvious. It has to be Zac Efron. Oh yeah, hundred percent agree with Coop. Oh, <laughs> all right. That's a good one. That's a good one. We'll go with Zac um, Efron. You know, you got the whole, you got Zac Efron, you got High School Musical. I think he, uh, he plays this role to a T. Does anyone disagree? No. I think Zac Efron's great, but I think if you were going to go Friday Night Lights, Zane, you go the guy that plays J.D. McCoy. Corey Kispert and J.D. McCoy have some similarities. J.D. McCoy Damn. was a bad guy. He was a great quarterback. He was kind of a dick, but he could ball. His stats don't lie, Zane. It doesn't matter. It's off the field issues. Dan, we need a hero. We don't need a villain. What are you doing? True. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So settled. Corey Kisper is Zach Efron. Next, we have the French Flash himself, Joel Ayai. Boys, I think I got a good one for here. Number one, Jamie Foxx. The looks are almost uncanny. Maybe, maybe it's like just 50. he's a little old dude. <laughs> well, Heath Ledger's dead. I'm just saying, if the world, if the universe were perfect, a, this is who they would play. year old Jamie Foxx playing like a 21-year-old point guy. <laughs> that was like, is he saying, um, have, um, fuck, why can't I remember his name? Clint Eastwood as, as Mark Few. I'm like, Clint Eastwood's 90. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Just in terms of like a figure, a like young that. Jamie Fox, a young Jamie Fox. Uh, and the oh, other yeah. one oh, is Damon Wayne's Jr., the guy from mm-hmm. uh, New Girl. Coach, coach. I don't know. He he also feels a little old to play Joel. Okay, you're gonna have to. If you're only thinking about like picking twenty year olds, 
we're also going to be screwed here with this movie. <laughs> give me, give me Michael B. Jordan. Oh wow, that's a that's a real original pick there, Coop. What? Like, I feel I'm I feel saving like, him for a later. I want. I thought he was a good Vince Howard. Guy. Yeah, he's too built for for a yai. Who could do a yai? One is Ashton Sanders. I don't know if anybody has watched Moonlight. He's in that like around the same age. Probably he's probably like 27, not like 58. Or if you want to go a younger kid, you'd have the kid from Stranger Things. Oh, I was thinking that. I think it seems like Caleb. Oh, good one. Caleb McLaughlin or something like that. Yeah. Dude, I like Jake. I Ashton like Jake's Sanders idea. is a really good one, Jake. Let's see Ashton Sanders. Ashton Sanders. Oh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Ashton Sanders is perfect. That's my I think that's the winner. Although, you know, Jamie Foxx would take our, you know, box office hits <laughs> through the oh, roof. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can play <laughs> Gary Bell. How about that? <laughs> He'd be a good Gary Bell. Yeah. He could play a guy's father. They could have some conflict guess, about him going to you know America and Seth Sagan technology nowadays, they did it for the Irishman with Robert De Niro. You know, they made him like 30 <laughs> years younger. So maybe we can do the same thing with Jamie Foxx. <laughs> so what's our final pick? Is it Ashton Sanders? Yeah, I think it's Ashton Sanders. I'm going Ashton. All right, Ashton Sanders, it is. All right, next we got Drew Timmy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, these are two that I'm also very, very proud of, okay? The first one is a nice aged, groomed Josh Peck, all grown up with the glow (laughs) up as well. The beard is perfect. Perfect, perfect. The second would be Wyatt Russell, another guy who the looks are are all there what do you boys think oh i i don't really agree with the josh peck but the wide russell i didn't even think of but i think that's a great pick uh you know i don't know what movie like he, he's what you call him like is a it, c-list b-list actor right now it was in the second, oh, he's got to be c he's got to be c. he's in stuff Street, like right? yeah he's also yeah, in goon um if anyone watched that um everybody wants some movie about like the college baseball team. He's oh, in I that. Think I, did. I think it's I did. like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, he's hilarious in that. He's like, what is he like? Twenty six years old on the team. Yeah, he's he just like off. trying to pretend he's still <laughs> in college to, so he could play baseball. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the White Russell pick. I was also thinking uh, Miles Miles Teller. If you guys have seen Whiplash. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. That's yeah, kind of like. I feel like Drew Timmy and like him are both kind of like these tall, like goofy dudes. So I feel like yeah. step in and play Drew Timmy pretty well. Miles Teller would, he like is really good at playing an asshole and I'm not saying Drew Timmy's an asshole, but some of his celebrations are asshole like, like the, so I, I, I could see Miles Teller doing the little mustache thing, but I don't know if Miles Teller, has he ever had like a beard or a mustache? What's his facial hair situation? Hmm. When he played Mr. Fantastic, he was able to shift his face around. <laughs> if we could I'm not, add, I'm not like, sure what our uh, facial hair situation is here, but um, some of the worst, we, we, we would get a good makeup team for that for sure. <laughs> if we could add like a foot to Jimmy Tatro, he'd be a pretty good Drew Timmy. Oh, oh I don't like that. Dude, Drew's a, Drew's a mm-hmm. comedian. I don't know. Uh, about Dan. I was thinking Dark Horse candidate. Uh, candidate. Uh, Jesse Plemons, also from Friday Night Lights. He's Landry. Landry. 
Yeah. Ooh, Landry <laughs> would be a pretty good one. Again, I think Landry that dude isn't he old now? now. That guy is old, and he's kind of wider now. Uh, like so. He's like pretty like awkward. Like he play, he always plays like the awkward dude. Yeah, yeah I think that be... guy like Jimmy Tatro is like the shit. Drew's the shit. He's funny. He has Dan. The you tendency. only like Jimmy Tatro because he went to your high school. <laughs> We're not I mean, eighteen watching a YouTube video right now. We gotta Jimmy be Tatro making a movie. He's a funny actor. Are, are we posting this featured length movie on Facebook videos? Is that isn't that what Jimmy Tatro does? He's at Real Bros at Simi Valley, Dan. <laughs> I do love real bros, to be fair. In dance defense, great entertainment. Jimmy Tatro right, anchored the same morning newscast, so I gotta gotta look out for my fellow ND. I think this is a this is a two man race, Wyatt or Miles. Yep. Paige, you get to choose who you get. Oh gosh. I I think I like I like the Miles. I think he could just portray the the attitude to me as better. I like it. I like it. All right, we'll move on to uh, our fearless freshman fixed to turn things around here. I got to be honest, I'm not, I'm not too thrilled about my picks for this one. Um, first, I have uh, Gaius Charles, who played Smash Williams oh. in Friday Night Lights. Uh, kind of just the hero character. Uh, plus, you know, he's played athletes, you know, pretty often. And then uh, Corey Hardick. And I don't, I can't really pin one thing Corey Hardick's been in but um I think they actually kind of look alike so that's fair does anyone else have any I'd love to see Michael B. Jordan in this role personally I know it's not original or whatever but no yeah I'm with you Paige I was I mean Michael B. Jordan from Friday Night Lights as well. <laughs> we're, just, we're just really just taking Friday Night Lights and plugging <laughs> yeah, in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not so much from like a look standpoint, but from an acting standpoint, I feel like he could like step in and kind of feel, not saying that Jalen Suggs is cocky or anything, but like be that like five-star freshman and be, yeah. you know, the one to take over a team. All right. Well, it seems like we're in pretty much an agreement there. Michael B. Jordan is – our uh Jalen Suggs. Also, this picture Jalen Suggs, this this there's gotta be a better picture of him, right? He looks this like is a, just his who, roster. This is his rostered picture. Who chose that picture? Like it, <laughs> that's what they use for the broadcast too. It's it's not very it's it, not like it's not current. He's got that fresh lineup now, like uh, J Page. Yeah. He's yeah. We, uh, us. there needs to be a new lineup photo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Him and Joel. Here we go, boys. Last but not least, we got Anton Watson. And I think it only makes sense after the Corey Kispert pick that we go Corbin (laughs) Blue. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Oh, why do I love this pick so much? You got it. You if you're if you're getting Zach Efron, you gotta add Corbin Blue. It just, do we do we have to add Cooper Blue? It just makes too much sense. I would also like to add Cooper's been hating on all the all the old guys, and Zach Efron's not young anymore. So he looks, like looks he's younger. Fox is like fifty six. <laughs> Hold on. Look up. Uh, I feel like Christian Pierce could be good for this role. Jimmy a, Tatro's friend. He'd actually uh, more be more Jimmy Tatro, huh? <laughs> no, 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 his friend though. They he actually looks like Anton. 
He's got on the a, dread. On a serious note, oh, I was thinking. Um, I was thinking O'Shea Jackson. Oh, that's a good one. Get some attitude in it. You mean you yeah, mean Junior, right? That. Junior, you're talking about Junior, not 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 Ice Cube, right? No, we're not actually talking <laughs> Ice. And he's six foot. It's pretty tall for our guys. Uh, O'Shea, was, O'Shea's a good one. I was also thinking Lakeith Stanfield could be a good one. He's the guy. Um, have you guys watched Atlanta at all? This is Tatro's friend, this guy. He definitely fits the bill from a look standpoint. Or have you guys watched Uncut Gems? Yeah. Yes. No, you know I've the seen, guy I've seen Atlanta, with... so I know, I know Lakeith. Okay. Trying to put it in, in Dan terms. Yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like it seems to me like we have really a two-person race here. We got O'Shea Jackson Jr. or Corbin Blue. I'm going I want Corbin. my Anton with attitude. I vote O'Shea. Oh, I'm going Corbin, baby. You got to get the cast together. <laughs> This is a horrendous movie. <laughs> There's not even Jimmy Tatro in it. What's the point? It was never going to watch anyway, so it doesn't matter. Corbin um, Blue, Corbin Blue for me. Two for Corbin. I'm going O'Shea. Give me, give me a little grittiness to this to this flick. So is Paige the deciding vote right now? Whoa. Paige is the deciding vote once again. Are we going? Are we going musical Paige? Are we going? Drama. Mm, give me some Corbin Blue. We go in, we go in Let's go. We go in Nickelodeon <laughs> Awards. Or we go in Oscars, baby. Head in the game. I gotta get my get my get my get my head in the uh, game. <laughs> okay, I guess Disney Plus is producing the show. So <laughs> yes, they are. We'll hey, don't you hate on Disney Plus movies? Damn it! I think Safety it only makes great. sense that uh, Adam Sandler's directing this bad boy. <laughs> Adam we Sandler could play the entire pitch cast this to Disney Plus. He'd probably take it. <laughs> Dan Patrick could be like a guest ref or something. You make a cameo. Give me, this thing. Give me a Adam Sandler as Pavel. <laughs> <laughs> no, the guy who played Ivan Drago is Pavel. <laughs> oh god. Okay, Clint Eastwood is Mike Roth. Why are we right. making Mike Roth ninety years old? The <laughs> old architect of this thing. <laughs> All right, so it looks like we have our final cast. Mark Few will be played by Kevin Bacon, Corey Kispert by Zach Efron, Joelle Yai by Ashton Sanders, Drew Timmy by Miles Teller, Jalen Suggs by Michael B. Jordan, and Anton Watson played by Corbin Blue. <laughs> One more addition, because Dan, I think you're right. We need Clint Eastwood. He's Mark Few's dad. In the stands oh, with, the, with the Tootsie Pops. Yep. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh. Now the ages are matching up, you know. I feel like we need Billy Bob Thornton in here somewhere. He can be the evil coach for playing. Electric. And that concludes our uh, Gonzaga movie cast it segment. Love it. Love it. Well, let's just move on. That was a lovely, lovely segment. Um, but we got business to get to, boys. Um, 
Are we discussing Pacific or no? We'll just maybe mention that they're that we have a game this week. Uh, yeah, gotcha. something real quick there. We don't have be, have to be very Pacific about it. Ah, uh, very funny. Jesus, laughing before you could even get that out. That was, <laughs> that was horrible. Well, for our esteemed audience, we do play Pacific this week, January twenty third at seven p.m. Not sure if that one's going to make the uh, ESPN cut. There's probably some better conference games out there, but. Should be a win, and uh, go Zags. <laughs> now let's let's move on to the NFL playoff bracket challenge. We are moving on to the championship round games. Um, to no one's surprise, I am leading the way. I only have one loss, thirteen points, followed by Dan's ten. Zane and Coop are locked up at eight. Zambi at seven, and. Um, Wheeling it in the in the end, we got a little Jake Gilman of four. Pretty impressive, honestly, on Jake's part. Guys, you know, I either win or I get last because I only do hot takes. Look at the MLB bracket. One. Look at the NBA. Very dead last. So <laughs> maybe the pendulum is swinging back, but we still have two weeks left. So... I'm ready. Well, just to recap, this last week, Rams got smacked. Zane, Dan, any comments there? No, this is just Zane. We we established that Dan's not a Rams fan. Yeah, oh, Dan, 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 not a Rams fan. I can comment as a, as an LA journalist, but let's nope, nope, you can't. We don't we don't want we don't want you know the journalist to take over. We want a fan's perspective, and here's what a true. LA Rams fan would say they would say we don't care we beat Seattle we broke all of Seattle's hearts so anything after that was just icing on the cake uh that was a fun year I guess I guess we're stuck with Jared Goff what do we have him for two more years three more years he's got the ridiculous contract right yeah bad contract but I don't know if we're stuck Sean McVay is very non-committal to Jared Goff yeah Uh, I mean that's whether they bring in a free agent in the offseason, I don't know. Mitch Trubisky might be uh, available. Mitch Trubisky. Oh, go for him. Go for him. We will send him your way. <laughs> Hot take. If Mitch Trubisky becomes a Ram, Sean McVay will turn him into a good quarterback. I would not. I mean, look at what Leonard Floyd's doing on the Rams. He was doing nothing for us, and he had a great season with you guys. Yeah. There seems to be a theme. I, ho- I hope Trubisky does well on any team he goes. He seems like a good guy. It's just nice to have a quarterback that cares. I've said this many times, but I can't watch him play for the Bears anymore. It's just, it, it hurts. Yeah. Closing out with the Rams, I'd just say, you know, Cam Akers, that's my dude. That guy, you know, he's, he's certified. I'm pretty sure this is, this is his first year, right, Dan? He's a rookie. Rookie. Dude, he's legit. I think, I think we've filled the tailback role pretty well with that guy. He was a high school quarterback, so McVay could just be like, fuck it, we don't need a quarterback, Cam Akers, yep. we're running the Wildcat all day long. Whoa. Now that would be electric. Um, yeah, and the, and the Browns had that tough loss. Um, you know, when Mahomes went out, I was a little, I was like, wow, this actually might be a game. Um, I was a little nervous for my pick, actually. I was like, is Jake going to just luck his way into this little win here? But he didn't. Neither did the Browns. Um not much more to say there. 
And then I, I actually have a question. I have a question about that Browns game. All right, let's hear it. Uh, like maybe it's just me and I get the rule, but the rule I hate most in NFL is when you're lunging for the end zone and you fumble it out of the back of the end zone and it's just the other team's ball. Like, I, and I, I get the purpose and I get that it's consistent with everything else, but that rule just sucks. It sucks so much. And that really was, was the game for the Browns. That was it. They went from like two inches to a touchdown to just the game being over. Yeah. It was 10 point swing. Also could have called targeting on that play very easily helmet to helmet on that tackle. I mean, I think if you ask any Browns fans, they're just happy that they, they, I mean, feeding the Steelers and last week was all they really wanted, but it would have been nice to see. It, it feels like there's no more Cinderella team to go for anymore. And it's just, okay, let's see who Aaron Rodgers is going to smack around. I think the Bills can be a Cinderella. I mean, they are the most likable, like, new new kids on the block team, you know. But they they were the, like, number two seed, right? But still, if you think about the Bills compared – if you think about Josh Allen compared to Mahomes, Rodgers, and Brady, like, that's clearly the, 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 the underdog story, I guess. That's true. <laughs> well, yeah, well, saying that rule sucks. Probably the worst rule in all sports. Dude, I, and it, I feel like it happens like like enough to where it actually affects like a decent amount of games. I mean, Derek Carr does it like once every four games, right? <laughs> I know it happened with the Rams and the Seahawks a couple of years back, like on the first drive of the game, and it just kind of made it for a funky game the rest of the time. It's just such a dumb rule, and I never see it happen in college. Like it feels like it only happens in the NFL. Maybe they're just like way more athletic, trying to do way more athletic things, but I think it's just the stupidest rule ever. Like to come that close to a touchdown and like it, like put it back on the 20, but like let that team still have like it just, I don't know what the solution is. I just think it's stupid. Or put it back to where the play started. Like the Browns were like at like the 40 yard line. If you tell them, all right, you get the ball back at the 40. Okay, great. Fine. Like I, I just think, yeah, that, that, that rule sucks. Browns did a hell of a job though, bouncing back and putting themselves in the game. Obviously Mahomes injury factored in all that, but, uh, the Browns have a have have a bright future, I think. I don't think we can close this uh, game out without giving a shout out to uh, Big Dick Andy for going for it on fourth down with the backup quarterback. That's a very yeah. ballsy move. I mean, I have to think that in that situation, you're much better off just punting it and playing defense as opposed to possibly giving the ball back on like the fifty. Well, I think Cooper's favorite part about that whole play was Tony Romo absolutely like getting off on that play just ha- getting ridiculously excited about that whole sequence. <laughs> i mean what's the audio the only reason they could even run that play though was because of what chad Henney did on third and 14 i mean to for him to scramble like that and just sell out to get that close to a first down i mean chad Henney. i thought he got the first two like uh, it was I mean, close. After the forearm, he, he, was, he was short, but I, I agree. I mean, the effort was was tremendous. Uh, I don't know if Chad Henney could win them a playoff game. Hopefully, we don't have to watch that. I don't think anyone wants to see Chad <laughs> Henney play quarterback on Sunday. Hey, but, anything uh, is possible, baby. Anything oh is possible. Is he the new Nick Foles? People are asking. Ooh. Mm, 
<laughs> no. I don't think so. <laughs> um, last but not least, let's move on to the uh, the Bucks game. That was a heck of a matchup. I don't know about you guys. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, it was pretty sad to see Drew Brees take that L. I thought I thought the Saints honestly looked better for most of the game, um, but something seemed to click for click for the Bucks and kind of the opposite for the Saints. So pretty funny to see Brady back in the uh, AFC Championship game and um, good old Billy Billy is not there. Um, guys, any thoughts on this one? I was going to say that, like like you kind of alluded to already, that first like half kind of felt like the Bucks were really just like hanging on by a thread. I mean, the Saints got down to the red zone twice on their first two drives and had to settle for field goals. Um, my, my other take was just, man, it was gutting to see Drew Brees walk into the tunnel and then stand there and turn around right as he, you know, reached the entrance of the tunnel. And he stand there, stood there for maybe a full second and then went off into the distance. Uh, if, if that didn't confirm that he's retiring, I don't know what does. I don't know. Yeah. And then him playing like catch with his kids with Tom Brady after the game. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> Everybody's getting old. We're all yeah. diminishing. What's going to happen to us? Yeah, Drew Brees has had a heck of a career, man. Um, that was pretty sad, you know, seeing him come. Not, I guess it's not sad, but it's it's a sad moment because I don't know about you guys. He looked kind of toast to me. No offense, Drew. You're like 42. Um, it's just amazing that he's still doing it at that age. And um, he's had a heck of a career. But some of those throws it, is similar to how I felt about Phillip last year when I was watching the Chargers still. There's just a little less on them, and it seems like almost every game there's a little less on it. Um, a heck of a career, Drew. But I think I'll just keep it here. We got two more games this week: um, Packers versus Bucks, obviously, and Bills versus Chiefs. We'll start with the Packers versus Bucks. I'm going to go ahead and go Pack. Looking at you, Jake, riding my uh, riding the Packers out. Yep, you can just ride that cheese dick all all year. I don't care. <sighs> I might just not become bitter, a pack- not bitter. I might become a backer fan. That might be my team. Hey, Dude. it's probably fun. They're pretty successful from uh, their opponent. So you know, if you want, maybe you could be a Duke fan too. Maybe just become a Yankees fan too while you're at it. I don't know. Okay, okay. <laughs> Jake, I assume you're going to be a Bucks boy. Um, well, I believe we should go in order from first to last. So then, say second to last can't do the strategy of they just pick the same games to maintain the lead. All Ooh. right. Well, after watching watching what the Packers did to the Rams, my oh my, they just look so freaking dominant. No weakness on that team right now. They're playing in Lambeau, if I'm not correct. Oh, yeah. uh, not that not that that's, you know, tough for for Tommy boy, but for the rest of the Bucks, that's, you know, that's a long way from that, you know, warm Florida air. So I'm going pack as well. That hey. Did I get skipped here? Yeah, Dan, you're up. Uh, I'm going pack as well. Uh, Lambeau Field is 
that place was rocking on Saturday with the amount of fans they had in. They claimed it was 8,000. I think they might have snuck more people in there. That place was loud. Uh, Rodgers has never hosted an NFC title game. Brady is playing in his 14th championship game. Let's just let that sink in. 14 of these things. But, unfortunately, the Packers are going to the Super Bowl, Jacob. All right, Coop. Doesn't count. You got? COVID doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow, follow the pack here. No pun intended. Um, I just think Aaron Rodgers at home. I think that guy's, you know, on a mission. Um, yeah. Go Pack Go. All right, Jake, the stars have aligned for this to be your comeback game. Oh, God. I'm going down with the, the pirate ship. Go Bucks. Tom, Brady, can you, can you just listen in real quick? Zoom in camera. Tom, you know, I haven't liked you for your career. You've been on this the most dominant team for like 20 years, and I, I usually don't root for you to win. But this one time, I would love for you to embarrass Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau in front of all his fans. And then Aaron Rodgers will just yell at all his teammates and his coaching staff and blame everybody else that's not him. So this is my prayer. Go Bucks. <laughs> all right. This is very this therapeutic. Movie. Feels good. <laughs> well, I hope it feels good, Jake. I don't know how you'll be feeling in a couple weeks when he's a Super Bowl champ, but um, Bills versus Chiefs, um, kind of an iffy one. I think we all decided that it doesn't. We're picking right now. It doesn't matter if Mahomes is back or not. Oh yeah, yeah. you got to no pick now. That's that the rule. name of the game. That is the rule for some absurd reason, but yes, that, that is no what we're doing. All righty. Well, um, uh, this is a tricky one, boys. <laughs> I'm going to go – I'm going to be a little risky this round, just a little low risk, high reward. Uh, I'm going to pick the Bills here. Ooh. Oh, boy. Well, I believe Patrick Mahomes will play on Sunday. I heard that he texted Kurt Warner – saying I'll be good to go. So I got Mahomes playing, and I got the Chiefs beating the Bills, setting up the State Farm Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. Oh, uh, there's going to be so many of those. Oh, stop talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're a progressive and all-state family here, Dan. Exactly. Go Baker. (laughs) (laughs) Coop, what are you working with here? Yeah, um... Whether it's Mahomes or Chad Henney, it's it's Andy Reid, it's Chiefs Kingdom. Lock it in. Give me the Chiefs. Wow, you're rocking with Chad Henney? Give me Chad Henney, baby. Damn, you're rocking with Chad Henney too if you need no, to. I'm rocking with Mahomes because Mahomes is gonna play. Cooper's saying he's 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 confident in Chad Henney. So hypothetically, if Chad Henney plays, you don't think the Chiefs will win. I think Dan? the Bills are just happy to be here in this scenario. I think they arrived a year early. I think Kansas City's defense shuts Josh Allen down. I think they win by two touchdowns. Okay, I couldn't disagree more with Cooper. Um, you know, another another segment of Cooper's hot takes. Uh, so I'm going Bills, no doubt. You convinced me. Whenever Cooper's that confident about anything, go with the other team. Uh, I don't think the Bills are just happy to be here right now. 
I think like that is a legit team throughout this entire year. People have been talking about how they could go to the Super Bowl. I don't think, I think losing to the Chiefs would not satisfy Bills fans at this point. Um, I think they want to win the whole thing. And I think they're going to win the whole thing, Coop. So I'm taking Bills over Chiefs, baby. All right, so, so you're already firmly saying the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl too. So if the Bills lose, then you get no more points the rest yeah. of the week. <laughs> oh, nope, yep, nope. I like week that by rule. week. Yep. Week oh, by oh, week. Oh, oh, nope. <laughs> oh, boy. Comes and down to comes. last place, Jake. And all I have to say is I believe Mission 15 will be receiving – a large charitable donation from Bills fans. For those who don't know, Mission 15 is Patrick Mahomes' charity. And for some reason, the Bills now, anytime they beat you in the playoffs, they just, like, donate, like, $300,000 to, like, the charity of your choice, which is a it's a great tradition. I think um, I think they should keep doing it. And um, I, I think even in Mahomes' plays, I don't know. The Bills just are, are hot right now. They play together. They play fast. They play loose. I think they have the offense to keep up with the Chiefs, and I'm I'm going the Bills. Let's circle the wagons. Ooh, wow! wow. Yeah, baby. So, if I'm not mistaken, based on where uh, the rankings are right now, Coop, Coop, if if Jake were to get two of his wins, he would surpass Coop, right? Yes, oh. that's also a big reason on picking the Bills, but it just didn't good. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I, I'm not picking the Packers. So, and you could also catch Zambi um, if the Bills win, or yes. if, if yeah, yeah. If and win. I could oh, no. be only a point behind you. If, oh no, no, you're 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 with you're with Zambi on both picks. Oh, did Zambi submit his picks already? Yeah, Zambi is picking the Bucks, and he's going with the Bills. So you oh, cannot rats. catch Zambi this week. Boy, that makes it tempting to switch to the. Oh, you can't switch. Come on, I know I can't now. I, I wish I had. the dark side, baby. <laughs> <laughs> too late, too late. Verbal commitment, but damn, it would have been nice. Well, there it is. Ladies and gentlemen, final picks uh, for the Packers Bucks. Picking the Packers, Zane. Page Dan Coop picking the Bucks, Zambi and Jake. The Bills versus Chiefs picking the Bills, Zambi, uh, Page, Zane, Jake picking the Chiefs, Dan and Coop. I look forward to getting a nice six points this week. (laughs) Actually, wait, Coop said they'd win by 14. That would be covering the spread, right? Oh, shut the the fuck up. You and your I think that's minus 20 points. Yeah, three here. Coop, yeah, Coop, if you're that confident, take the spread. Take the no, spread, I'm not Coop. taking the spread. I'm taking my three points. No, no. <laughs> it could have been more. <laughs> Coop, soft. Cooper Hood soft as a sock. Weird. <laughs> they haven't beaten a team by more than a touchdown since November 1st against the Jets. So that's a take. All right. Well, on that note, boys. That's about that's about all we have this week. Any uh, last thoughts, comments, remarks, concerns for our audience? Um, I might have to get into beach body um, shape before summer with this polar plunge approaching. So, 
Yeah, uh, really big weekend. TikTok from you. Yeah, I'm hoping the people do a TikTok uh, personally. But you know, nothing would be better than Coop doing a TikTok actually. So. Yeah, I've been That's practicing cool. my TikTok Wait, dance moves. Where so. is this henna tattoo? Are we ever exactly. going to address that? Yeah. I don't think I, was, I should. I was, I was in Seattle this weekend. I was, I was ready to go. I'm putting is that it? on. Here's what Cooper does. Thing. Cooper skirts his way over to Seattle, sticks around for a little bit, and skirts away back, but makes sure to never bring up the henna tattoo. Oh, I definitely brought it up while I was there. I'm like, oh, this you brought been it up weekend. on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, you guys are on the on the on the clock with this one because I, I feel I think like, there uh, needs to be a punishment if Cooper doesn't do it in time. There should be a punishment. What? No, if he doesn't. If he doesn't do it, yeah, if he doesn't do it by March Madness, there should be a punishment. There's no punishment. I I came up. No one, no one, you know, brought it up. So I'm not gonna, you know, remind you guys. I'm like, hey, we need to knock this punishment out. Oh, That's so if you make a bet, you're not gonna like hand over your money until someone says, hey, where's your money? Yeah, no. So, down, so hypothetically, if I lose, I have you guys have to like produce and organize the TikTok. Yeah, we would we would have to kidnap Jake because you know he doesn't have to go by himself. Obviously, we'd have to kidnap him from his home, take him against his will, and then throw him into an ice cold lake against his will because he wouldn't jump in by himself. Okay. Doing a polar plunge is a lot different than a henna challenge. I can't really give myself a henna tattoo. How the fuck does that work, Zane? You couldn't give yourself <laughs> yeah. a good henna tattoo. <laughs> like, <laughs> riddle me that. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I think you need to figure out a way to get it done, whether it's by asking us or by asking someone else. If you don't do it by the start of the NCAA tournament, there should be a, like a severe punishment. Potentially a hot wings challenge. Ooh. Hot wings challenge isn't, oh, we got to do something bigger than that. What's something that Cooper would just hate? Cold plunge? Yeah, Cooper would not be good in cold water, I feel like. <laughs> oh, I've done plenty of those. I'm a Texas boy. I don't do the cold water. Just make Cooper stand out in the sun, no sunglasses, and he has to split <laughs> for a full hour. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we get to pick the day, too. Not a cloudy day, Cooper. We're picking a sunny day. Cloudy days are worse for because then the sun's coming from every direction. <laughs> the Coopy squints in full effect. Okay, we're just going to blind Cooper if he doesn't get his head a tattoo. At we're going to hold his eyelids open as he stares directly into the sun. All right. Okay, I think we... we uh, I'm just going to Photoshop agree. a picture of myself with a head of tattoo and send it to you guys. Oh, no, we want a movie. We want... Unless you can do it like full CGI. Again, how, how do I pull all this off? <laughs> I'm posting a clip of Cooper like saying he was going to get the head of tattoo and then this conversation... Just to get the Twitter people going as well. Yeah. Like it. Coop, get the people the, angry at him. Just have granddad do, do the henna for you. <laughs> granddad, I lost his bet. Can you draw a BYU look on my chest? <laughs> it's it's not weird, I promise. But can you wax it first? I'll throw it on my I'll throw it on my fans only page. <laughs> This tell that's this is what all the kids who are going to the club are doing nowadays. <laughs> I feel like Tuck should be involved in this. Yeah, I should have done it on his back home. <laughs> oh man. Can't Alrighty. <laughs> well, we'll get on that for our audience. I know they're all very eager to see this. Uh, but with that being said, boys, great episode. 
thanks everyone for listening and uh we'll talk to you guys next week toodaloo later gang i'm great